Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? I'm just fucking with you. God damn it. Washington, Washington, six foot eight weighs a fucking ton. Opponents beware, opponents beware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine. I mean, two sets of testicles, so divine. On a horse made of crystal, he patrolled the land with the mason ring and schnauzer in his perfect hands. Here comes George, in control. Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll. Eight opponents' brains. And invented cocaine. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Washington. Sounds like you're chugging a bong over there. Bourbon. Hello and welcome to the Joe Rogan Experience. I'm Joe Rogan. And with me always is Joe Rogan. Hey, Joe Rogan. Did that fool anybody? I think so. I think we got him. Nailed him. Instant million fans. This is episode five of George Washington's POTUS Life. It's been a while since we've recorded anything it's been a little bit it's it's kind of like you know we're, we're hopping on the bicycle again for the first time the indians just went up two games nothing against the boston red sox dude if that doesn't mention how far separated we are from our last show i know it's kind of exciting i was down the bar watching yeah i clapped i was yelling <laughs> i had a couple, a couple of drinks saw a couple of things yeah a lot has happened uh Donald Trump bombed in the first debate. Oh, I know. Second one is what on Sunday? Yeah, but did you watch the vice presidential debate? Not really. Pence did such a good job. I'm so glad that he's not running for president because if he was, we might actually be in a little bit of trouble. He's amazingly horrific person. And on top of that, like actually a very good debater and order, I would say. He's also... Hank Hill's father makes him iconic. (laughs) I think that there's somebody wrote a paper about how there's no correlation between the vice presidential debates and the outcome of an election. Thank God. Oh, there was like a swing in 2012 after Joe Biden just like <laughs> wiped the floor with Paul Ryan. Did everything but yell at him not to shut his cock washer. <laughs> but if, if this all keeps up, if this keeps up, maybe we won't have that giant colostomy bag full of butter, <laughs> butternut squash as our next president. Hey, you want to? We can finally stop fucking talking about him. So this was perfect. Today I went in the urinal at work. I was peeing and someone had placed in all the urinals um, Trump Pence posters. So like just kind of pissing on them, you know, that made me feel really good. In Wisconsin? In Wisconsin. I was really surprised. It was probably someone from our crew. like any, anybody got really upset and scooped him out. No, someone late. I went back later because I was thinking to myself, how long are these going to last here in this place? And eventually someone had scooped them out and thrown them in the trash. I don't know who or how they did that, but 
I mean, someone did it. I hope it wasn't some, someone some loved custodian. No, no, probably not. No, I mean, because it was in the trash can. So I'm assuming that someone was like, oh, I love Trump enough that I will reach into this piss bucket and just pull that out because Trump is just, he's the man. I'm voting for him. He speaks his mind. He says it like it is. He says it like, he's an, he's an American. <laughs> he's a true American. He's racist. He's a womanizer. He's a, he's a real American, you know? The call Kogan, but real. <laughs> but anyways, also since we last recorded, some other shit has gone down. Obviously, you know, I got out of a relationship. Yeah, that's true. And he's free. Chipotle free now nice. has chorizo. <laughs> and I can tell you that mm. one of those things <laughs> is very, very important to me. <laughs> But I won't say which one. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the last episode, it was kind of a, a downer. I mean, a little bit. Unless, of course, you're really into slavery. In which case, learning about Washington as a slaver probably made you quite happy. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we're going to start this episode with some lighter material. Thank God. We've mentioned his appearance a few times. We've thought about it. (laughs) Any book you read on Washington is going to bring up his size and posture over and over again. It's like beating a dead horse, which is funny considering how much they also bring up horsemanship. And his thighs. His thighs, his hands, (laughs) his goddamn teeth. (laughs) They they were, yeah. Probably had... Some good breath. <laughs> I kind of was thinking about that, like how fresh that was. Probably like not, not so good. Tobacco. It probably just smelled all like rotten <laughs> tobacco. Which, I mean, I know some people that still smell like that. It's 2016. Yeah, but then you hear about like his health at the end and you kind of just get a little bummed out. Anyway, anyway. He's just always pooping. <laughs> His clothing is also mm. going to come up again and again. It's something that's well documented, as we still have quite a bit of correspondence between George and his London tailors. Now, we've gone over the argument that all those me- measurements suggest that he was only six foot tall. Maybe he just liked really tight clothing. <laughs> or just had an odd-shaped body. Both. But I feel like that would have been more documented he's just a strapping tall man however we may be able to squash that theory with instructions to a london tailor that read make it in the best taste to sit easy and loose as clothes that are tight always look awkward and are uneasy to the wearer so what do you think about that ryan well let me just tell you there spoon man I Googled the crap out of this when I found out you were once again going to challenge me about Washington and I not sharing the same height. We certainly did. But something that we have to notice, it's a complicated subject. First of all, I can admit his height, his height measurements do range from six foot, which you mentioned, to six three. Second, one of the best references we have for Washington height, Washington's height is his measurement at death. At this time, standardized weights and measures were still being figured out all around the world. I assume that it is entirely plausible that we deal with a range when talking about Washington's height. 
due to the difference in length found on measuring instruments. It's not like you could go down to Home Depot and grab what we can arguably call an accurate measuring device. And thirdly and lastly, he definitely was not the tallest president. Those honors go to Abraham Lincoln. A close second is LBJ. Actually, if we assume his height is 6'2", he comes in uh, as the fourth tallest president. But uh, like I say, I think... How tall is Obama, your mama? Obama. Oh, should I Google that? Are we going to Google it? How high is Obama? Uh, Yeah, Google it. I'm Googling it. I'm Googling it. Six foot one, 185 centimeters. Ooh, Joe Biden, how tall is he? Joe Biden's tall. Joe Biden is six foot nine. (laughs) He's only, no, he's only six feet. He's only seven six feet. foot twelve. No, he's. <laughs> oh. But but seriously, dicks. Got <laughs> so much height to him. He, I mean, you know, tall, tall man. I actually thought that Joe Biden would be bigger because I see him. He is like a total larger than life man. So I figured he would probably be about seven feet tall, but only six feet. President uh, Obama only six one. Uh, George Washington, 6'3", as we know. Uh, so, you know, basically, uh, yeah. But no, like I previously said, it, it really is hard to kind of accurately nail down his real height between the difference in measurements, um, when and how is he was measured. Is there a correlation between the height of a president and their, you know, presidency? I think that their presidency could be huge. The the, the huger on, you are, the I think huger the, you're. I think the taller you are, the bigger your presidency. What about girth? Is, I, I, hear, <laughs> I hear girth is important to some people. The width of a presidency does matter. Aft. I, <laughs> he had a special <laughs> bathtub installed in the White House <laughs> because... He couldn't get, get off the cheeseburgers. <laughs> oh, good God. Despite what we think about his actual height, we both agree that every description of George makes him sound like, you know, like a great king out of fiction. Like he would be the size of King Arthur or something. Or, you know, to go from some other fiction, King Robert Baratheon. From the Game of Thrones. Mm. But much less fun. <laughs> Robert Baratheon knew how to have some fun. He Washington, knew. not so much. I mean, Washington liked a lot of... Uh, he, ch- he he did kind of chase some women. He was a little, he was into that. I mean, he got the voters drunk. <laughs> he got the voters drunk as shit. <laughs> he wrote some he filthy... He wrote, of that gambling. No, but he wrote some. he wrote some filthy things to some ladies. And then they were they were later burned up, you know, as you do, J.P. Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> J.P. Morgan Jr. Piece <laughs> <of> shit. <sighs> I should just not pay my student loans because that guy's an <laughs> asshole. <sighs> well, Mount Vernon had become somewhat of a favorite for people of stature to go visit. They hosted thousands of guests during the period in between wars alone. From what we know, they were both always on their A-game. They definitely wanted to impress everybody. And it's a good strategy for a politician. George was able to pull this off without, you know, having a sense of humor. <laughs> he, he was never one to tell jokes or stories. So it's strange to me that 
he would have made such a great host. This is something that all kinds of people notice, too. He wasn't a smiler, as we've mentioned before, perhaps because of his disgusting teeth made out of uh, tr- a trail mix of slaves' teeth, gold, and ivory. Oops. You know, it's not, wo- it's not wooden like you were taught in elementary school by your Mrs. Lipschitz. James Madison did note at one point he was particularly pleased with the the jokes, good humor, and hilarity of his companions. So he basically just ponied, piggybacked on uh, other people being the entertainment. So at least we know that he ha- had himself a sense of humor. He wasn't a complete buzzkill. <laughs> but Washington didn't really have a lot of close friends. He was very hesitant to let people get close to him. He was always sure to put them through like this, these weird loyalty tests. And even then he rarely confided in anyone. I'm actually similar to George in this particular area. Would you agree with that? Oh, actually I would uh, completely agree with that. Justin, Uh, I think you've put me through the gauntlet of tests. I hope I've passed most of them. No, but I mean, thinking about this though, truly, I think something that made Washington likable as a person and something that someone that people would want to follow was the fact that he would listen more than he would talk. He would, as a host, I think push his guests to talk about themselves and their stories and laugh about them and be part of that. I think he would do that in his camp. I think that that was just kind of like the way that he communicated with people, if you will. Um, So I think that was actually a, a valuable asset to him. I think later on that will actually be a valuable asset to him as a president. But we also have uh, all sorts of accounts about Washington's Forrest Gump-like strength, not to just mention his uh, ability to party. Uh, Would I you want- call Sally Fairfax his Jenny? <laughs> I think that you could. I think that that's, a, that's actually, I think you could. I really do. Jenny. I can't quit you, Jenny. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh, I want to read one uh, that Chanel included in his book about his uh, Forrest Gump-like strength and his Jenny-loving abilities. Um, It it comes from painter Charles Wilson Peel, who did a few paintings of George, which might be worth uh, some searching in in Google. Uh, Actually, I mean, we'll probably post a few of these up on the Facebook page if you want to check that out. Uh, But Charles Wilson Peel said, one afternoon, several young gentlemen visitors at Mount Vernon and myself were pitching the bar when suddenly Washington appeared among us. He requested to be shown the pegs that marked the boundaries of our efforts, then smiling and without putting off his coat, held out his hand for the missile. No sooner did the heavy iron ball bar feel the grasp of his mighty hand than it was lost to the power of gravitation. Striking the ground far beyond our utmost limits, we were indeed amazed as we stood around, all stripped off the buff, having though ourselves very clear fellows, while the colonel, on retiring, pleasantly observed, when you beat my pitch, young gentleman, I'll try again. So Washington was basically uh, the best thrower. He was the best thrower ever. The best thrower. Yeah, and pitching the bar, what was that like? Just who could throw something the farthest? Apparently, the painter and some of his other young gentleman friends loved to 
pitch the bar. No, but yeah, I think basically they were throwing around a heavy iron bar. And I think that, you know, George Washington walked up and was like, oh, hey, let me give this a little bit of a try. Uh, just tosses it out there and they're like, oh, my gosh. It's like throwing a javelin in the Olympics, <laughs> but it's an iron bar. <laughs> good sport. Good sport. Oh, yep. Very good. Very good. Like that. But yeah, no, also on the first note that you, that you made, uh, I would say that you and George are very particular in the area of uh, not letting too many people in. Although I will say that I have thoroughly enjoyed you letting me into your crazy mind. It's been, it's been quite fun. I like being around you, Mr. Eric, his brother. I can remember a moment when we were out on the lawn only about a month ago when I received my certificate of achievement and we were just giggling our minds away. And I thought to that myself, I was like, Oh man, this guy doesn't let too many people in. So I'm, uh, I'm a little glad, you know, I liked it. It was nice. I thought about it again. I think that might've been the mushrooms talking <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Washington was a stud like an all around complete stud, you know, definitely a hottie with a body and a booty. Uh, his face isn't very <laughs> good though. Uh, no, who would you compare him to a celebrity wise? Someone with a lot of acne marks. I don't know. I mean, his, he had a quite potted face. That's like clearly known, but it's funny. Cause if you look at all the paintings of him, they've clearly like kind of like smooth that over a little bit. Like, you know, he has a beautiful like Jason face. Siegel. Oh yeah. I think he probably would be like a Jason Siegel. Actually. That's a, probably a really good comparison. They're both tall too. Actually, yeah. I think Jason Siegel is like six, seven. Yeah. You're probably right. And but, more talented. But yeah, first of all, there was their strength, as we mentioned. Uh, then there was his horse riding and hunting skills, which we talked about earlier. Um, and we've talked about his thighs before and how he could really bite down on a horse with those things, kind of allowing him to become one with the animal. But all joking aside, seriously, I've come across several accounts of his horsemanship, um, both in battle. Uh, a, a Frenchman, Xavier de... Chastelouk was sure. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to say this. Uh, was really into Washington's writing. So this French guy was like, um, quote, he is very excellent in bold horsemen leaping the highest fences and going extremely quickly without standing up on his stirrups. I think, which basically reads his balls were bouncing on that fucking anyway, uh, bearing on the bridle or letting his horse run wild. Like he was just like, like seriously, just like taking that horse for, fucking hard ride um i also like how another person noted how when george would get off his horse he gave a cut to the whip of the horse which went off by itself to the stables it he trained his horses when he was done with them to ride back to the horses i mean to ride back to the stable themselves it's like uh george of the jungle <laughs> or aquaman would have you <laughs> Go back, go back, which is kind of interesting. I think when we compare his ability to control his troops, other humans, um, which he definitely had a hard time doing later uh, compared to the fact that he could make a horse go back to the stable all by itself. Um, we also have several stories about his skills as a hunter. Uh, I'll read a small bit from his journal, March 1768. Hunting again. 
I imagine he wrote this with the intent to seem like Frank Underwood when he breaks the fourth wall, you know? Um, <laughs> hey, hey, just, just me, just me here hunting. Anyways, hunting again, catching a fox with a bobtail and the ears cut after seven horse chases with the most dogs were worsted. With, oh, sorry. Seven hour chase in which most of the dogs were worsted. An even more hilarious account um, came a month before this in his journal. And in one day, he killed five mallards and five bald eagles. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is correct. The first president shot down five bald <laughs> eagles in one day. God fucking bless America. Right? <laughs> so un-American. This, this Frank Underwood character just cutting the fourth wall and being like, hey, y'all, I shot down. Five bald eagles in one day. It's like <laughs> Frank Underwood, this is dance crazy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, America. Oh, she was the president. <laughs> uh, another anecdote I really enjoy about hunting in Washington comes from uh, one of his neighbors after Washington discovered a poacher on his land. The poacher, quote, raising his gun, took deliberate aim at Washington expecting to daunt him, but Washington dashed up to the culprit, seized his canoe, dragged it ashore, and then he disarmed him and gave him a severe flogging, which effectually cleared his thieving properties. Like, so George Washington not only shot five bald eagles in one day, he finds a poacher on his land who is pointing a gun at him, walks up to his canoe, pulls it ashore, and beats the shit out of this man. Like, I can imagine him pulling down the guy's trousers and just spanking him. With like right here, hands. right now, you are done. You will never do this again, mister. Oh, my gosh. But seriously, the dude spent a lot of time uh, at home riding around his property, stalking all sorts of prey and murdering bald eagles. With all this machismo, uh, it's hard to imagine, imagine that Washington had a cultured, softer side. Ron Chernow notes that Washington's volumes of correspondence and journal entries are peppered with references to Hamlet, Othello, the Merchants of Venice, the Tempest, Julius Caesar, Anthony and Cleopatra, and Henry V. This man really enjoyed his Shakespeare for real. Although, as we have previously discussed, Cato was definitely his favorite play. I speculate that it was his favorite because he and Sally Fairfax used to read it together. Mm. And it would kind of take him back to fonder, simpler times with the witty and intelligent Jenny. Sally. Jenny. Actually, since we're on the subject, uh, I want to briefly touch on the influence that the play Cato had on the American Revolution, if you will. Uh, it actually was one of the most famous plays among many of his contemporaries, both blue and red coated. We actually get many famous American revolutionary quotes almost straight from the script of, Plato, of Cato. For example, Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death came from Act Two, Scene Four, quote, It is not now time to talk aught, but chains or conquest, liberty or death. Also, Nathan Hale's famous quote, I only regret that I have but one life to lose from my country, came from Act 4, Scene 4. Quote, what a pity it is that we can die but once to save our country. 
kind of interesting, right? Those unoriginal bastards. I know. They kind of like, they're like, oh, well, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good line. Like, what kind of just. My world just changed. Did you not know any of those? No, I did. Okay, good. I was about to say. No, seriously, though, it actually, that, that was kind of fascinating to me, right? Like, that they kind of, that this famous play of the time became this rally cry almost to some of the revolutionaries. I don't know. I find it very interesting. Yeah. They're, they're men of the enlightenment. They were recalling back to art and literature. You know, there's a little bit of freedom in there, isn't there? Right. Anyway, so getting back to Washington, uh, he attended so many plays that historians use his meticulously kept records to help reveal the movements of acting companies in the Americas during and after the revolution. Interesting. Uh, a generally, a generally contemplative and stoic man, George was known to let his guard down when he attended the theater. One fellow patron of the theater once noted, you would seldom see a frown on a man of his of his countenance. His air was serious and reflecting yet. I have seen him in the theater laughing heartily. So George got a little giddy when he went to theater, right? And he would go see a play in town multiple times if he really enjoyed the performance, much like you and I will go see a movie multiple times together, maybe holding hands, sharing a little bit of popcorn. You never know. Uh, I don't like to share popcorn. I know. You know that about me. I know. Clearly. The Mount Vernon Ladies Association website makes an interesting point. Uh, actually, the playhouses were very much to the people of that time what Netflix is to us, I guess, if you will, even in a little bit of a ways. Uh, it was the primary form of live visual entertainment for those in the privileged classes with all that wearing work and general toughness it required to live in colonial America. It's really easy to see how George could have been drawn to this form of entertainment, I guess. What a, what a blessing it is to not have to get dressed up <laughs> and go. God knows how far in a fucking whore <laughs> to watch Netflix. Oh, yes, let's go into town miles away. Just a half a day's ride. Uh, Stranger Things is so good. <laughs> I just want to go see it again. Uh, not to mention, well, I mean, part of it is, though, it gave him access. Like, I think going to the theater gave him access visibly, I guess, to other people of notoriety, right? So, like, I mean, yeah, we can sit in our pajamas, pajamas and watch some Netflix. But, I mean, he would go to the theater, right? And he would see all these other people and they would see him laughing and having a good time and pretending to be this, oh, very educated man of society, right? Like. So that was kind of part of it, I guess. Yeah, I've read The Count of Monte Cristo. I know, <laughs> I know how it works. Anyway, before we move on, uh, one last thing about his social life I found interesting while reading about his love of the theater and forms of entertainment he enjoyed. Uh, dancing. George was known to have been an excellent dancer. Of course he was, right? Um, anyway, he and Martha remained friends with Sally and George William Fairfax, which also was very interesting to me. Uh, throughout the time leading up to the revolution, we have records indicating that both George and specifically Martha held a fondness and a genuine and deep friendship with Sally, uh, which we kind of talked about her before George would love to go visit Sally, which was the wife of one of his very good friends, kind of the friend that introduced him to the gentry. The fact that Martha kind of became friends with Sally Fairfax, Martha would go check in on Sally and Sally would come visit Martha at the farm. They definitely that kind of definitely cleared some stuff up for me. I always kind of imagined that George still had some deep, intense love that he never really uh, got rid of. However, the friendship that Martha was able to have with Sally suggests that this uh, six foot three 
George Washington was able to keep those banana mitts off of Sally and genuinely was able to demonstrate uh, his devotion to Martha, right? Yeah, but he was six foot. (laughs) Pish posh. Well, getting back to our timeline, (laughs) now that we've established that Washington was no taller than either of us, you know, (laughs) maybe just my height. (laughs) But we'll go to late 1760. All right, let's go. King George II dies. Long live the king. Well, he died. (laughs) And King George III takes the throne. The new king. This is the guy vilified by U.S. history teachers. (laughs) He's the one that tries to tell the colonies what tea they're allowed to buy. George III wants new elections held for the House of Burgesses. Clean it up. This time, Washington is not fighting the French and Indians during the elections. He can get the voters drunk and pull strings in person. <laughs> but this time, it's a little different. Lieutenant Colonel Adam Stephen, oh. two first names, wants one of the Frederick County seats. He wants it bad. Real bad. Adam Stephen, by the way, is pretty familiar with Washington. He was around for the Fort Necessity debacle. He served on the Braddock campaign debacle. (laughs) Guy has probably seen George Washington with diarrhea. Little poopy pants. So naturally, Stephen starts talking shit about George (laughs) and campaigns against him in a Bernie Sanders kind of way. (laughs) He says things like, Washington is just a rich landowner who can easily be defeated by us normies. The normies. And to further complicate things, a guy named by the name of Thomas Brian Martin, three first names, (laughs) the man that held the other Frederick County seat with Washington, decides to retire. So Washington, all of a sudden, doesn't really have a sure thing. Oopsies. He gets his former aide, George Mercer, all these Georges, to enter the race (laughs) for the second seat. Washington definitely does not want some dude that has been running his mouth to be in the seat with him. And again, this is the type of election. It's sort of like a presidential caucus today. There's no secret ballot. They just go on down the line and the voters are, the votes are shouted by the voters. Like, hey, yep, I vote for this guy. So, yeah, so you want, you know, kind of, you would, now we'd call it an analytics game. You want the first votes to be in your favor because, yeah, there's a bandwagon effect. So Washington goes to the dude in charge of the elections like, hey, man. (laughs) <laughs> have my guys announce their uh, charge of the quick, election. No, no big deal. Just... Have them uh, announce their votes at the beginning, maybe. <laughs> I don't want this asshole working with me. <laughs> Bernie oh Sanders, he's not going to beat my running mate. <laughs> Get me and Mercer in those seats, dog. Yeah, dog. So 14 of uh, the first 15 votes go exactly as Washington wanted. In fact, the first two votes were Washington's own brothers. <laughs> no favoritism here. Hey, our democracy, 
democracy has turned into an aristocracy. It's not like it was in the old days. <laughs> Man. So, of course, <laughs> Washington and Mercer, they just straight up crush it. <laughs> and they secure the seats. So, hey, do we think Washington isn't a bit of a, a, a killery, a corrupt politician? I mean, yeah, like, okay, so a little bit, a little bit of a, you know, like, hey, I'll scratch my back, you scratch your back, hey, everybody's kind of, but I mean, I do think that there was political uh, political influence back in the day, right? So, like, these guys would be friends with one another, there'd be some elbow rubbing, hey, man, vote for me, hey, man, vote for me, you know, I'm going to get in there and do the job, you know, I'm going to, like, a lot of these people knew the people who they were actually voting for mainly because black people weren't considered humans and neither were women. So they weren't allowed to vote. And if you didn't know land, you were also not allowed to vote. So it was basically just a bunch of white rich dudes that knew each other hanging out and trying to, you know, vie for votes. Right. So like, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of corruption. Where my country gown, my country, you know, my country gown. I I think we should, we should make America great again. I think we should make it. We're going to make it great. China, 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 we don't win anymore. Basically, you know what I think? I personally think that global warming is caused by nothing and that China made it up so that uh, they could win jobs and take them away from America. America jobs, jobs, America, <laughs> make America great again. Trump, Pence. We want to start <laughs> making Altoid tens again because <laughs> those wages would be awesome. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, very, very honestly, we do have to do something with all the people who want to make coal. Because he's like, well, we'll just, we'll start coal again, guys. It's totally cool. Wind energy is not a real thing. It's fine. It's fine. God. Yeah. We don't want to get into coal right now. <laughs> coal is done. Coal is so done. I'm, I know. But it's just something I've been reading. Right I know now. that they were, about it. they used to be high paying job because you could fucking die. <laughs> you it. could go for, so they had to pay you pretty good. Live to 35 but and coal then die. Coal is not a thing anymore. <laughs> it's not real. You don't have to have coal. <laughs> but no, but seriously, you kind of have to have some empathy, right? To like the people that had, had those well, yeah. jobs and then instantly they have them taken away from them. So like, that's bad, but at the same time, presidents won't fix that. So, but one solar company went under. So all solar is evil. It's evil. I think the sun's actually causing global like, warming. Therefore, so solar is bad. We should have just stopped with oil after <laughs> Pit Town blew up. <laughs> yeah, but we're we digress. We digress. We digress. It's a it's a sore point. George was a screwed up politician. I think he understood how to influence people and shift opinion. It's just how power works. Yeah, I I but you know, we'll definitely be digging into his politics and his inability to uh influence without making grandiose over gestures as we go on. I mean, he, he does clean the act up just a little bit after the election, Washington, guess what? He gets sick as shit again. Does he get the poopy pants? Oh, all signs point to malaria. Okay. Copy that. Copy that. Of course it's, it's time for those good old 1700 remedies to cure him. They always work. Some Michael Phelps cupping. <laughs> One idiot. He goes some, some magical spring that we've talked about before <laughs> where sick people at the time went for miracles. Here. 
That'd have been he so travels, dope. which is probably not the best thing to do. You know, just traveling. You're bumping up and down in a wagon. Not cool. He travels to Berkeley Springs. He finds a bunch of sick people there. That'll make you better, of course. And, uh, yeah, he goes to the Springs. Then it's back to Mount Vernon. He's basically sick for all of 1761, but manages to get to Williamsburg for the House of Burgesses session that November. He's still too sick, too weak at this point in time, and he misses plenty of the session. And like his poop problems, <laughs> Malaria sticks around for George and shows its ugly face like herpes from time to time. Actually, not like herpes, exactly like herpes. <laughs> I was kind of wondering where you were going with it, but I was enjoying it nonetheless. Honestly, though, I wonder what you I don't did. have herpes. <laughs> Now that basically like that fucking. basically just told the entire audience that you actually actually do have herpes. Like you no, just exactly. admitted herpes. to everybody. I don't have the herp alert. <laughs> no, but seriously, I wonder what you did back in the time if you had the poops like that. Like it had to be a real bitch. Like right now, like nowadays, I if I have the poops, you know, I carry around I carry on my little wipies. We get it all cleaned up right away. You couldn't do that back then. What'd you do? Go to the go to the side of the road. Oh, we're traveling, and I have the poops. I need to go to the side of the road, and I need to get some some leaves. You know, you'd be like Tywin Lannister, and you'd get shot on the privy. <laughs> you know what? Though seriously, very seriously, I did look this up. Do you know what they would use to clean their bums back then? Like poison ivy leaves. <laughs> Naturally, you just walk in there and get those leaves, dog. No, they would use a uh, corn husk. Like that, mm. like that was a natural toilet paper of the time, apparently. I would use seashells. <laughs> you know what the French royalty would uh, wipe their, their butts with? Bidets? No, no. Back at this day, they would use lace. They would literally just just use woven lace. S- something that lace? someone Yeah, like something that someone like took time to make, like lace. Like, like doilies? Like a doily. Like they would use a doily to wipe their tushy oh with. Oh my god. Isn't that fancy? I looked this up. <laughs> Sounds like it would irritate your butthole so bad. <laughs> Just wipe it up there with a little bit of lace in there. I think it would be nice. I'm gonna I kinda wanna try it. Can you go get a doily at my <laughs> you know, Walmart? You, you let me know how that works out. <laughs> Anyways, uh it's seventeen twenty six now. Welcome to 1726. And Washington has become a vestryman of Truro Parish. Am I saying that right? T-R-U-R-O? T-R-U-R-O Parish. Truro Parish. We have to focus on Toro. (laughs) Anyway, he was a vestryman of that parish for 22 years, kind of getting into his um, religion a little bit, if you will. Now, what's a vestryman, you may ask? Basically, a vestryman is a church leader that is not part of the clergy, so that he wasn't a priest, uh, but he was part, uh, like an intimate part of the, the parish of church leader. Uh, they would handle the business end of church. They would keep records, uh, manage the workhouse, which kind of gave relief to poor people, so they'd put poor people to work, uh, pay them with dues that people would pay the church before the nation, the you know, United States would collect taxes and then 
do the same exact thing. Anyway, um, Torah Parish was part of the Anglican Church, and it had multiple points of worship around Virginia. Uh, I'm so tempted right now to kind of like want to take a deep dive into what he believes philosophically, religiously. Um, I really think this is going to be a fun discussion to have when we get there. But Justin informed me earlier because he knew that I was going to be reading this section that uh, I shouldn't take too much time on this episode and that we'll kind of talk about it more. Yeah, because he was a Freemason and so he was a deist. Yes, yes, yes. Well, don't spoil, don't spoil it for him. Bam! So in Read brief, from hell! In brief summation, Washington was a little religious but wasn't really into picking any one religion, I guess, right? Uh, I think this point this is a, oh, I think this points to his use of religion as a tool for gaining influence and having moral control over large groups of people. It definitely made the logistics easier, right? He was part of the God club. He was instantly a bit cooler to everyone. I believe in Jesus, so I know who you are as a person, you know? Jesus is my homeboy. Flash flash that cross a few times. You get into the Jesus club, like, bah, 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 bah. let me into your Jesus club. He did have uh, some interesting beliefs about what people of the time called providence. providence. So he did always talk about providence. Uh, his beliefs about death were not necessarily in line with that of your stereotypical Christian paradise afterlife full of cupcakes, cotton candy, and all the other bullshit you don't get when you're decomposing. Yeah, because they didn't even know about cotton candy yet. I mean... Listen, I can have dreams. Cotton candy would have blown his mind. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, it dissolves in my mouth. (laughs) 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 Well, whatever his actual religious beliefs were, he certainly saw the importance of charity. Amen. Unlike some people named Donald Trump, a beggar could uh, <laughs> walk up to Mount Vernon's doorstep and actually find help from the Washingtons. For some reason, George had a soft spot for people thrown in prison for debt. Yeah, he donated money to them and supported various programs to help them. They paid for their children's education even Princeton sometimes, which at the time was the King's College. Yeah, they, they would. They love their friends enough that they would offer that as a service to their close ones. Did I fuck that up? Yeah, you did. Okay, let me do that again. Yeah, they paid for it. They paid for their friends' education. God damn it. <laughs> I'm five whiskeys in. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're doing great. They paid for their friends' children's education. Boom. Even Princeton sometimes, a.k.a. the King's College at the time. And uh, this might be because Washington's own education had been cut short because his his mama couldn't afford it. Probably. Adding to those mama issues. <laughs> he also took particular interest in the education of orphans, specifically funding the Alexandria Academy. Their charity work is said to have been primarily anonymous. You know, like you 
donate anonymously, but everybody knows it was you that's anonymous. Like, don't name this wing after me, but name this wing. It's like, how do we know this? <laughs> maybe they weren't quite as anonymous <laughs> as they would have liked. Or maybe it's one of those deals where, you know, you donate stuff and say, you want to be anonymous? Wink, wink. Like, it's like in that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where both Larry David and Ted Danson donate a wing to, <laughs> I think it was like a hospital. And Ted Danson makes his, as donated from Anonymous, but then he tells a couple people who, you know, tell a couple other people, and all of a sudden it's not such a secret anymore. But anyways, all this charity work was, it was regular for the Washingtons prior to being on the larger political stage. How'd they afford that, though, for real? Slaves. <laughs> <laughs> this is before the revolution. So, yes, George was, of course, already a Fairfax County politician, being in the House of Burgesses, then later became a justice of the county and trustee of Alexandria. But it's hard to believe that being charity was anything he thought would benefit him later on, like, you know, Mitt Romney when he started donating a lot to charity before he started running for president. So he was not doing this for national politics. That would be some matrix bullshit. But he sounds like a, a goody two-shoes, a real, real do-gooder. On top of that, all the charity stuff, he didn't like people being on the liquor. He definitely we did have. not, yeah. We've mentioned, we've called him not so much of a buzzkill. But we mentioned previously that he was a strict military commander when it came to his men drinking. That, and it certainly translated to civilian life until he needed to get his voters drunk. <laughs> he, looked down, he looked down on other planters that liked to party. All he does, did was work, 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 work. while every, everyone else was off at cockfights and strip clubs. So besides moderate drinking, uh, most accounts claim that he was he was pretty clean cut. That was the the part of church that he probably liked. <laughs> he may have also been quite the the snitch, telling on people for their debauchery <laughs> to the to the church or the court. Some records indicate that he did some small time gambling with cards and billiards. Uh-oh, naughty. He had a mahogany card table from London and wrote down what went down on this table, listing all expensive expenses and winnings. He would. He totally would, right? Because he just writes fucking everything down. <laughs> like memento. <laughs> Chernow suggests that he may have hated gambling because it was one of his biggest vices, albeit in small sums. It makes sense because he was always warning people about the dangers of gambling. He was quoted as preach, preaching about gambling, saying, It is the child of avarice, the brother of iniquity, the father of mischief, has been the ruin of many a poor boy and the husband of many worthy families, the loss of many a man's honor 
and the cause of suicide. Of course. To all those who enter the list, it is equally fascinating. Fascinating. The successful gamester pushes his good for- fortune till it is overtaken by a reverse. The losing gamester, in hopes of retrieving past misfortunes, goes from bad to worse. Can't stop that gambling, so, dog. Fucking way she goes. <laughs> Sometimes she goes. Sometimes she doesn't, George. Video lottery machines. And it definitely sounds like a subject that hits close to home for, for George. Maybe he reflect, reflected on all his hard work and saw how quickly it could be lost if his bets had been larger and more frequent. It probably puts a lot into perspective. He was competitive. You know, he's throwing the iron the, the farthest. And it sounds like he understood the thrill of games. Oh, yeah. And bullets. <laughs> and it's kind but of- he also knew the danger. So other than small time gambling, it's really hard to make a case that he would, he had other vices because uh, J.P. Morgan Jr. burned all the his dirty <laughs> Naughty letters. The, you know, the other vice that would be common in this period. We won't bring up that maybe he had relations with slaves. <laughs> but he was said to <laughs> have just about never used a curse word. He was uh, a regular Ned Flanders in that regard. I'm going to go tell I, the church parish what you did. Yeah, and I, I tend not to trust people that don't ever swear. <laughs> like you're saying fudge. Just go for the real thing, you coward. You fucking coward. <laughs> when it came to hiring people for different purposes. He definitely took a look at their drinking habits and things like that. I found it pretty funny looking at what his employment contract looked like. Oh yeah. Like you can get, you can get drunk for four days straight at Christmas. (laughs) That's contract specifically state when and how much drinking can be done. And it's kind of, Weird, but I guess he didn't want to be a complete buzzkill. He was just into micromanaging liquor and fun. <laughs> and I think four days in a row is, is a pretty good part. Yeah, know? sign me up for that. That sounds like when I come up to your place, it's like exactly what goes down. Four days of drinking. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would much rather spread out the parties and have <laughs> have them more frequently. But uh, I haven't had dysentery and, uh, <laughs> as much as uh, George Washington did. Uh, I also don't own human beings. Fair, fair. So I can't really put myself in <laughs> his shoes. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you can't, maybe you can. I'm and it just so happens that I've ran out of my drink. Oh, man. Well, but we'll plow through. We'll plow through. Plow through, plow through. We are almost there. You know, um, another vice we know Washington had was uh, he smoked his own stash. And if there's one thing we all know, you don't smoke your own product. Tobacco, that is, of course. Uh, But that wasn't a lifelong thing, I guess. Eventually, he quit smoking, although uh, he was noted to smoke out of a long-stemmed clay pipe. Makes me wonder if there was anything else in that pipe. Uh, I kind of also imagined him looking like uh, Gandalf a little bit. 
But yeah, Washington has vices. Oh, don't even, don't even go there. <laughs> George Washington is not Gandalf. He smoked out of a long stem pipe. You can't prove that he wasn't. Uh... But yeah, Washington had his vices. But I genuinely do think he was a genius in some ways. He had many. He had a lot of irons and a lot of fires. Basically, is he what I want to say. Them. He threw some of them too. He wanted to accomplish so much. He didn't really have time to waste being drunk or exploring vices. He definitely did enjoy his alcohol. He was known to have multiple glasses of wine at dinner, but back then it was probably served a little diluted with a little bit of water in there. But still. I also did like how he regulated how his employees and his people would drink. Like you said, that was pretty good. Uh, I wonder what Christmas at Mount Vernon looked like, though, if you think about it. Drunk employees wandering around the grounds and just completely shit-faced for four days, right? Uh, So, yeah, you know. I bet the slaves loved that. Just pure debauchery for four days. And then it's like, except for the beatings and rape. But. <laughs> what would happen on day five? Like, get your shit together. A bunch of people just kind of like slightly hung over trying to like meander through the very first day back. After <laughs> Stupor. Uh, I wonder if he was a Catholic or Protestant whiskey kind of a guy. Uh, probably Protestant because Protestant whiskey is older. Interesting. That'd be my guess. I think you just Some want to be Protestant melts. whiskey because that's that's your drink of choice. <laughs> uh. This dirty Jameson. I don't know why it's more popular than Bushmilk. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that about that about wraps it up. You know, kind of talking about his vices a little bit, talking about uh, how he liked to ride around on horses, go to movie theaters, was a vestryman. We're about up to. Where did make it to? 1762 day, 1763, right? Yeah. That's a good that's a good place to wrap it up, I'd say. Wrap it up. Wrap, wrap, wrap it up. I have some more drinking I have to go do down at the hotel bar. Well, next time on Comedy Bang Bang, we will <laughs> discuss Washington's penis size in detail. Oh, by the way, before we wrap this up, I do want to say something kind of interesting did happen today. I don't know if you noticed it or not. Uh, Ray Harris, who's a fellow podcaster and one of my heroes who I kind of got to meet and hang out with for a few days. And he's all he is. He is much smaller than I originally anticipated. Anticipated. He's like a tiny little Polly Pocket. Like you could carry him around <laughs> with you. Like if like he's like one of those airport dogs that you could bring because they're like just little, like tiny and you can put them in a little carrying bag. Sometimes I think that like when I think of Cam, like I think of Cam always with Ray because I sometimes forget that they live in two different places. But like you know, Cam just kind of carrying Ray around in a tiny little travel travel bag with him everywhere, and they would just you know kind of do these little podcasts and comedy sessions together no but anyway ray harris uh and cameron riley they have a couple different podcasts um i guess we could kind of plug those in a life of caesar life of alexander uh, they're currently doing a cold war podcast all very wonderful all very good uh ray harris liked just kind of a an intro that i threw out on facebook today um with some artwork trying to kind of tease the show and that was a uh, really kind of a surreal thing right for someone that you've admired as a podcaster to stumble across some of your, some of your things as you have 
become friends with them and like it. So that was kind of cool. Just kind of wanted to name drop and I guess cross promote that. Well, now we're, we're both blushing. <laughs> oh my. But yeah, so that was kind of neat. But I just so, want to say that. But what, in the episode. what happened in Vegas? Uh, did you, did you list the most recent episode of life of yeah, Alexander? That's not a prostitute. That's Ryan Markley. <laughs> what did you do when you heard them say my name like that? I was, I was actually doing dishes and I just, <laughs> I broke a dish. <laughs> Listen, sometimes when you meet your favorite podcasters out in Vegas, things get a little weird. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. You're in a fellow fans, you know, hotel filming a show and, you know, things Things take a turn. Sometimes there's a little lemon. Yeah, shallow, I find which it questionably funny that Ray Cameron Harris. is always the one to bring it up. <laughs> I he, think he's the most guilty. He texted me the day before he released that, and he said, "Hey, about this about this week's episode. I'm sorry in advance." Oh, I thought that was perfect. I was like, "Oh shit!" It's a little surreal. It's good. It's fun. They're good guys. Jolly good. Go watch their show if you haven't. By the way, if you also have not gone to our Facebook page, POTUS Life Podcast on Facebook, do that. We'll be putting content up there. Leave us some some mean reviews on iTunes. Yeah, if you want to leave us, I mean, make it a five-star review, but make it really mean and angry. Uh, maybe we'll read it out on the show, you know? That's a thing. And we'll send you a gold star sticker. One gold star. We'll send you a certificate of achievement for harassing on Facebook being a troll trolling and maybe we'll make some mugs up. That would be pretty sweet. Actually send you a mug. We have some nice artwork. Maybe it's uh, Mr. Eric's artwork. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Did he finish it up? We'll find out. We got to get him going. Got to get him finishing up. Cause that's going to be some pretty good artwork. Just saying that. Well, until next time I'm Joe Rogan <laughs> and I'm Joe Rogan. <laughs> Washington, Washington, six foot eight weighs a fucking ton. Opponents beware, opponents beware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine I mean two sets of testicles, so divine On a horse made of crystal, he patrolled the land With the mason ring and schnauzer in his perfect hands Here comes George, in control Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll Eight opponents' brains And invented cocaine He's coming, he's coming, he's coming Washington that's good considering I am. <laughs> I actually think that made it better, Justin. Yeah, I really, I really broke out of my my hermit shell. <laughs> Crack that nut. Are you going back down to the burr? Yeah, I'm gonna go to the burr. I'm gonna go to the bar too.